The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, most of us have been taught that loving others is our job. It's our duty. We must love others in order to be considered to be good citizens of the world, yes? But love, real love, is not a function of striving or duty or musts or have-tos or ought-tos or shoulds. It's not a function of should or duty or loyalty or any of those other favorite words we use to shame ourselves into compliance with the duty of love. Love is not a duty. Love is an impulse. A deep, abiding, and authentic impulse to behave in loving, kind, caring ways to both self and other. We all have it, but we have all also been taught to ignore that very natural impulse in favor of obedience to a should, the duty, the obligation, and the guilt. How do we get back in touch with that natural impulse? Stay here today. We're going to talk about that. So here's the thing. There is no should in front of the word love. When you hear people say, well, you should love your neighbor as yourself, they're lying because there is no should in front of love. When you hear someone say, well, you should be kind to people, they're lying because there is no should in front of real, genuine kindness. You see, these things don't come from shoulds. They don't come from the laws we create, the mores, the social, cultural mores that we live from. They don't come from someone else telling us we should do that. They come from the heart, deep, deep in the heart, where if we open, if we really open, it opens like a flower and life becomes poignant poignant and shimmering and alive with a pulsation that, that you can feel in your everyday movements. So the opening of the heart chakra is what we're going to be talking about today. It's all about that opening, that we begin to understand what love really, really is. But let's first talk about what love really, really isn't. First, I want to refer you to a verse that I've quoted before on the show. It's in the Christian Bible, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 13, that chapter we all use to tell each other how we should love. Actually, that verse, I don't think, is written to tell us how we should love. I think it's written to tell us how we are loved. And I, and I don't think it, it, it has anything for us in terms of how we should obey it. One of the verses in it explains that quite succinctly. It says, 
If I give my body to be burned and give all of my goods to the poor and it doesn't come from love, it means nothing. It means nada, zippo, nothing. So if, if, if me giving everything I've got away to the poor means nothing, then what means something? Well, the answer is in the question. Love means something. If it doesn't come from love... It means nothing. So love is the answer. And in the last verse of that uh, famous um, chapter in 1 Corinthians, it says these three, faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. And love is the greatest of these. Why? Why is it greater than faith and hope? Because love is the essence of life itself. You know, there's other verses in the Christian Bible, and we also find them in other sacred texts, but most of us in the West are most familiar with the Christian Bible, so I'll quote from that for right now, um, that say that God is an all-consuming fire, and they also say that God is love. So if God is both of those things in combination, then God is an all-consuming fire of love. Then the divine, whatever, however you view the divine, is an all-consuming fire of love. And what that means is that all will be consumed in that fire. Everything will become love. And that's a pretty amazing thought. And it, it's, it reeks of oneness. That's something that's not really clear in the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh is that oneness is the real story. Uh, unless you get to the root language, in which case it's very clear. But, but in the more Eastern texts, the Buddhist texts, the Sufi Sutras, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, we find oneness just everywhere. It's all about oneness. It's all about that self, no self, the, the no self that is self, you know, that is oneness because oneness is all there is. And, and so when we, when we think about love, we're also thinking about oneness. We're also thinking about a deep, abiding, rich, profound, poignant connection to everyone on the planet. Now, here's the thing, though. That doesn't mean that in this particular incarnation, we're going to like everybody we meet. And it doesn't mean that we should have to hang out with everybody we meet. And it certainly doesn't mean that we should tolerate abuse in any form. So, very commonly I hear people quote, you know, you should love everyone, love the Lord your God with all your might, your heart, your strength, and love everyone, love your neighbor as yourself. And what they mean by that is I should tolerate the intolerable and accept the unacceptable unto my demise. And they don't understand that that's not love. That's a big old should. They're quoting that to keep themselves invested in something because they're scared to let go. That's not love. That's entirely different. Love is an in, inward uh, awareness of life. It is something that we get in touch with f- from the outside in. We, in other words, we have to look for it inside of us. Why? Because most of us have been taught not to love. 
Now, that's a crazy thing I just said, right? Most of us have been taught not to love while we're being told that we should love our neighbor as ourselves and love the Lord our God with all our hearts, minds, and souls. And we should be good citizens in the world and we should always be kind to others and, all, you know, yada, yada, yada. While we're being told all the shoulds about love, we're also being taught not to love. Why? Because love does not have a should in front of it. We're not being taught to open the heart chakra. We're not being taught to see how deeply we're connected to other people. We're not being allowed to just open. We're being taught to close down to our openness and open up to a should. And that's exactly backwards. Exactly backwards. And so, for most of us as adults, we have to get in touch with love. It's not something that we uh, understand any other way. Until and unless we fall in love. And falling in love is an interesting and uh, dynamic, powerful tool that the psyche uses in hopes that we will learn to fall in love with ourselves and fall in love with life as well as fall in love with someone else. But the psyche uses falling in love, whether we fall in love with Mr. Right or Mr. Wrong or Miss Right or Miss Wrong, uh, we the 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 falling in love is a a way of opening the heart chakra it's a way of 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 beginning that opening process to say oh wow i'm supremely connected to this person in fact we're supremely connected to everyone but we are aware only of being supremely connected to this person and we, we, we say things like, I feel like I've known this, person's before, this person before. I feel like I have known them forever. We have so much in common. Um, we, we can't stand to be apart from each other. You know, we say those kinds of things when we fall in love. And we mean them. And they're true. And yet, we may end up parting from that person ultimately because... They're not right for us. They may be abusive. They may be um, just, we just may not have much in common after all. We, they may be um, just not very loving to us. They may not meet our needs in those kinds of loving ways. We may not meet theirs. Um, But the truth is that if we have fallen in love, we have opened the door to the possibility of learning about love. Why? Because we didn't plan it. Because we didn't should it, because we didn't duty it into place, we didn't ought it into place, we didn't tell it to come around, we didn't strive for it, it just happened to us. That's what people say about falling in love. Well, I didn't plan this, it just happened. Well, they're right. It happened in the unconscious, and it fell down on the conscious experience. That's why we call it falling in love. So it fell down on the conscious experience, and the conscious experience became supremely aware that it had this magnetic draw to this other person. The way they look, the way they walk, the way they talk, the way they sing, the way they dance, the way they do everything, oh my God, we're in love. And isn't it wonderful? And isn't it crazy? And isn't it completely irrational? Because sometimes we fall in love with someone who seems so far away from what we thought we were going to fall in love with. That we wanted to meet Mr. Tall or Miss Tall, and we fell in love with Miss Short <laughs> or Mr. Short. We met, wanted to meet somebody who was an engineer, and we met somebody who was a poet. We, you know, we just don't have any say-so about that. We can't should this into place. And so we, we 
because that's true, it offers us this grand opportunity to slide or slip inside of ourselves a little bit and, and understand ourselves a little bit better. Most of the time that happens because we're bouncing off of someone else. We come to understand ourselves in relationship to someone else. In other words, we come to see how we act and react toward this other person we're in love with. Where we thought once we were very strong people and would never need anyone, suddenly find, we find ourselves needing someone. Or we, we may even try to shut that off. I've definitely worked with couples where one or both parties try to shut off that need. I shouldn't need anyone, right? I shouldn't be dependent, regardless of how good we are together. I shouldn't need anyone. And the truth is we do. We are, we are one. And so we need that other part of ourselves. I'm not talking about dependency in that need. It's, not, it's a healthy need that just says, you're a part of my life and I want you in it. Dependency, we can also fall down into that, and that's not as healthy. But sometimes we have to do that in order to see what's really going on inside of us. And so it offers us the opportunity for greater self-love if we can go down into it and see that dependency without judging it, without beating ourselves up for it, and stay there long enough to see its origins and to allow it to integrate. So this whole thing of falling in love is a grand opportunity for us to see, come to ultimately see that love is not a should. It's not something we can organize and orchestrate. It's the same thing when we like somebody as a friend. You know, we really love our friends, don't we? we these are our brothers and sisters without, without the blood attached. And we, we really want to spend time with them. And we really think they're precious and beautiful and in some very special ways. But that didn't just happen because we said we should like them. We just got naturally attracted to these people. Most of the time, our friends are people we, with whom we were just naturally attracted. We went to school. There were 40 kids in the class. But we only got naturally attracted to maybe two or three of them. And those are our friends. And they remain our friends. Why didn't we get attracted to everybody? If we should love everybody, how come we didn't get attracted to everybody in the room? Well, because that's not what we're, we're, we're about as a natural attraction that's coming in this incarnation to be involved with these people. And the psyche knows exactly why. Perhaps our consciousness does not know why, but our psyche knows why. And maybe that's unconscious to us, but it knows why. It knows why we chose those particular people, and it's not rational. It has more to do with the, the subtle nuance of wisdom, the subtle underpinnings of what love really is that guides us into being attracted to certain people and not being attracted to other certain people. So, you know, we say, well, I should, shouldn't I love everyone equally? Shouldn't I just, you know, feel the same things for everyone? Well, we don't. And most of us who have been raised in the Western intellect that says that we should, we should love everyone equally feel a little bit bad about that. We know we can't do much about it, but we feel a little bad about the fact that we don't really love everybody the same way. But it's, you know, if you think about choosing a career, would you fall in love with the same career across the board? Would you, could you be just as well good and enjoy it just as much to be an engineer as you could to be a musician? Could, could you uh, enjoy being a mathematician in the same way that you could enjoy being a poet? Maybe there are those people who can do that, but maybe not. 
So we, we are selective. We select our careers based on our passions. That also is an open door, the heart chakra, that allows us to go, okay, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I really, really want to be doing eight, ten hours a day for the rest of my life if I can. Uh, and, you know, for some of us, the passion is so strong that we might not, we might even do it without getting paid. So if, you know, when you run into that, that's something that just comes up inside you. It's not something you can should into place. Lots of parents think that they can should a career into the place of their child's hearts. You know, you should be a doctor. Your father was a doctor. His father was a doctor. His father was a doctor. His father was a doctor. doctor, So you should be a doctor too. Or you should be an actor because we have acting in our family. Or you should be a musician because we've all been musicians. And the child who's born with no interest or talent in those areas feels like a pariah in his own family, his or her own family. And and so uh, we we begin to question ourselves and, 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 and stop loving ourselves and stop appreciating who we are in favor of somebody else's definition of who we ought to be. And we do the same exact thing with love in all kinds of ways. So, so when we talk about what love isn't, love isn't somebody else's definition of love. Love is something we have to experience for ourselves. Real love is something we have to experience for ourselves. It's that opening of the heart chakra that, like I said, begins to make all of life feel like it's shimmering in this beautiful light. Once we get there, of course, the journey is not always easy. We have to hit a bump, bumps in the road. We fall in love with the wrong person, and that hurts. Or we fall in love with, uh, and we have to end it. And of course, that hurts. We fall in love with uh, with a a, per, a career that maybe we won't be able to fulfill. Maybe I want to be a football player, and I've got this terrible knee injury. Okay, I fall in, fell in love with football, but now. I'm going to have to do something else. So is there anything else I can fall in love with? Sometimes we think no. Sometimes we think that was my calling and that's it. There's nothing else for me. I might as well die. And yet we might be being called to love again in the same way that we're called to love again with regard to our when we end a relationship with someone. It's not as common these days for people to think in terms of, well, I met Mr. Wrong and he was really Mr. Wrong or Miss Wrong and therefore I'll never meet anyone again. Most people tend to think that, okay, well, that didn't work out and that's really sad and I'm going to have to go through a period of grieving, but I'll find somebody else. So I'm glad we've gotten there with that, but sometimes we're not there with our careers. But again, we might be being called to love again. And so that's what, what we're beginning to see, we're just really on the fringes of, is that every occupation of life has as its core value, love. So we go into a career because we love it. We, we hopefully will get to dance with that career for the rest of our lives. And wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't that be a wonderful experience? We also fall in love with material things. I love my computer. I really love my computer. because Not because I'm a techno geek, because I'm really not. There's a whole lot I don't know about computers. But because I'm a writer. And I love to be on my computer writing. So my computer is sacred to me. I do whatever I can to protect it. And, and so that we can love our cars in the same way. And we need to be able to um, be sure that we're going to continue to love in that way. Um, so... When we're 
when we're when we fall in love with the things, the people, and the jobs of our lives, that's an opportunity for the chakra to open up and keep, and stay open. And so we're going to talk about this some more right after the break. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you just getting started on the path to metaphysical healing of yourself? Would you like to have some fun as you find out more? Join Julia Stubbe and Carol Lee Schloth each week as they guide you through the Energetic Toy Box. This show will gift you the basic foundation and tools as you discover your spiritual path on a deeper level, encouraging the exploration of many facets and concepts such as chakras, healing, meditation, crystals, and more, so that you can use these in your daily life. The Energetic Toy Box is here for you every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Have you ever felt as if you don't fit in? Are you in need of a breakthrough? You might even need to connect with your angels or a loved one on the other side. Tune in to Exploring the Full Spectrum Life with host Michael Lott. Michael and his guests will provide fresh perspectives, inspiration, healing, and insights for your life. It's time to move into new dimensions in your life and fulfill your higher creative calling now. Start by listening live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a Ph.D., a Doctor of Ministry, or in the Holistic Theology Program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. 
These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about the fact that there is no should in front of the word love. Not real love, anyway. We can should ourselves into all kinds of bad relationships with people trying to tell ourselves that we should be loving. We encounter people in our daily routine who are actually, our intuition is telling us these people are not going to be able to be good for us. For whatever reason, they're stuck in something of their own that keeps them from being able to be good to or for us. And so our intuition is talking to us, but we're not listening because we've got a big should there saying, you should be kind to other people. You should be loving to other people. You should always do that. Uh, And many a person has been kidnapped and murdered out of that exact same mentality because we're trying so hard to follow the shoulds instead of following our deepest, truest instincts. Our deepest instinct, that intuition, is saying, no, 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 this is not good. Stop, stop, stop. But we're not listening because that should is bigger. And what we're really trying to prove is that we're good people. That, you know, somewhere along the way, somebody told us it was good to be loving and kind. And so we said, I've got to be loving and kind in order to prove to myself and to the world that I'm a good person. And that thing can be very seductive. It can be very, very seductive that we can lose all kinds of uh, pieces of ourselves in order to prove to ourselves and other people that we're good. So we get into bad relationships, we get into bad financial deals, we get into, uh, we get conned, we get um, into bad uh, contracts, we have people to come to our houses to do contract work on our houses and, and we have an uh-oh feeling or an, uh, an intuition about how this is not a good deal, but we're not listening because we should be kind and this person looks like they really need a contract, so we're going to give them a contract and then... We end up being really sorry we got contracted with that person. So life kicks us in the head so that we'll wake up to the fact that we're not listening to our insides where love actually resides. Because, you see, love is also about self-love. And that's the piece that we seem to forget, that we're supposed to also love ourselves. If there's a should there, you know, put it in front of the self-love if you got to do one. Uh, learning to love yourself is the is the very process of individuation and integration, where we 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 begin to really um, be a part of and be present with what goes on inside of us without judging it, 
and we begin to develop what's known to psychologists and, and counselors and social workers as self-empathy, which is uh, you begin to understand where you came from. You begin to understand how you think the way you do and why you think the way you do, why, why you do the things you do, the patterns of your behavior that are ineffective. You begin to see them without judging them and, and empathetically understand how you got there. That's a part of the integration process, and it allows us to develop some self-love. And it is a little bit like falling in love with yourself. Um, I've definitely worked with a lot of people in the coming out process who, who are coming out to themselves as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgendered. And they very commonly will say, once they sort of get to that place where they're going, okay, this is who I am, this is I I can't avoid this anymore. I've got to just be me. And see, that coming out process is much more about yourself than it is about telling other people. We've, we've, the, the media has made the hype about coming out all about telling other people, telling your mom, telling your dad. It's not about telling people. It's about realizing who you are in your own sec- authentic sexual orientation. So, uh, so very commonly people will say to me, I think I've fallen in love with myself. And, and it's just so beautiful that even now as I speak of it, it brings tears to my eyes that, that these people have come to understand that this thing is real. It's not going away. And, and they are, when they settle themselves into it and say, okay, I love people of the same sex. This is what I do. Or I really am a female in a male body or a male in a female body. This is what I do. I I can fall in love with uh, opposite sex or same sex. Whatever that is, the person begins to accept it on a really deep, profound level where they begin to say, okay, this is me. This is the real me. And they say, "I, I think I'm falling in love with myself. And what that means is that they are there. It's not something they orchestrated or planned, but now they really enjoy their own company. Now they really enjoy what it is to be that sexual being that falls in love with people of the same sex or is really a, a, a woman in a man's body, etc. So that 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 place where we get in touch with who we actually are is. It can come from all kinds of resources. I've also seen people do that with religion. When they finally get out of the head of religion and then get into the heart of religion, and now they start to find something deeper than even religion. Now they find something that that's transcends religion that has to do with connecting to some high, something higher, something maybe a principle, maybe a power, uh, but to them it's very, very meaningful. And... Then they come in and they say, you know, I think I'm falling in love with myself. And what that means is that they are really, have really begun to, to, to open that heart chakra to, to who they are. And that's a beautiful experience. And for many people, it lasts, that feeling lasts for several years. That they really do appreciate and understand and love who they are. Um, and that's why being around critical people is not so good for us. And that's why the intuition would say, no, no, don't do that. These people are on their own journey, fine. They're, they need to be critical people, but I don't need to be around critical people. Um, and so that's why 
we don't need to be just uh, saying, I should love everyone equally and I should just spend time with everyone equally and I should contract with whoever just because I feel sorry for them or I should get into business with a partner and because I feel sorry for them. I, these, these are bad business deals. This is not good smarts. This is not love. It's not wisdom. And so uh, when, we, when we want to really learn what love is, we put ourselves in a position of listening Listening to the self, because at bottom, if we really are connected to the divine, and I truly believe we all are, we all are at our deepest essence, divine beings. If that's really true, then love is a natural ingredient of who we are. It's not something that we have to work toward, although we may have to unbury it, you know. It is there already for us. Um, We may meet it. We may meet it in a dream at night. We may meet it at, at in a cafe when we're sitting there reading poetry. We may uh, meet it in somebody else's eyes. We may meet it in a job. We may meet it in all kinds of ways, but it's always there. And we, if we can always be ready to meet it, that's the key. That's a big key to being able to just open that heart chakra and say, okay, here's my life. Here's the journey I'm on. Let me see. What comes up next? Instead of saying, well, I should be always kind and loving to other people. When somebody puts food on your plate, do you eat everything that's on your plate, even if you don't like it, even if it tastes horrible to you, even if the smell makes you want to throw up? (laughs) Because that's what it's like to forget to be selective about who we hang out with. And, you know, looking at it philosophically, maybe... Maybe it's true that we, we don't like or, lo- uh, or experience that connection with another person because they're not supposed to be in our lives this time. Maybe they were in another life and maybe they will be in some other life, but they're not this time. They're not just supposed to be in our life this time. This time we're supposed to do something different. So if we trust that process, it will carry us. We don't have to push it. It's not, it, it's, uh, we talk about not pushing that river a lot on this show, and we don't have to push that river. It will carry us. But we have to trust it. And in order to do that, we have to do some work on ourselves that, that opens us to the possibility of trusting that there is a process that's unfolding constantly in us that's going to carry us to deeper and deeper renditions of love, real love, that won't have anything to do with... Um, with shoulds. So I want to take this moment right now to read you a poem that was written by Mark Nepo. You know, Mark Nepo was on the show back in, I think, March of this past year. You can definitely listen to that show. And he actually read some of his own poetry on the show, uh, which I was delighted with. And uh, so, But this one I'm going to read because it has everything to do with love. It's called Without Knowing, and that's a perfect title for what we're talking about today. We'll talk about that in a minute. Lifting my second coffee to my lips, I see a young couple near the window. They're falling in love. I can tell by the way he brushes her hair aside so he can see her face. Before I can sip, there you are, across from me, more than 40 years ago. I did the same thing. Parting your auburn hair, I fell into your eyes. It undid me, which meant I could no longer follow the path others had set for me. Isn't this the purpose of love? We only had a few years of opening what we could, co- could in each other before we fell into another. You broke my heart. 
It took a decade of poking at the ashes to accept that we sent each other on our way. Now, in my 60s, after losing and finding what matters enough times to realize that the losing and finding comes and goes like surf that shapes the sand of our heart, I know I fell through your eyes so many years ago into the sweet, resilient place only opened by love where we get to see our own worth unformed like raw material. It takes years of hammering and being hammered to see what we can shape from what we're given. Strange to pick up these converse, this conversation now. I take another sip and through the steam can see the young woman glimpse her worth briefly in her jittery young man. I sip and feel the gift you were, were without even knowing. I don't even know if you're still alive, but in this cafe from another continent of time, I can softly thank you. That is love. So that it transitions us. His two poignant questions was, isn't this the purpose of love? And then he defines it as that which comes into us and comes and goes. Our attachments to other people come and go like the surf that shapes the sand of our hearts. So that we know that we fall through other people to find ourselves. Uh, we, we, our hearts are only opened by real love. And that's why falling in love is so important. And that's why I'm so glad we've reached a generation in which falling in love actually can be something we we do. Uh, once upon a time, and still true in some countries, uh, marriages are arranged by for financial reasons, for security reasons, mostly. And, and uh, so people don't actually fall in love, or at least they don't let themselves fall in love with the person they're married to. That, that, that piece uh, diminishes the possibility that we're going to fall through someone else to find ourselves, as Nepo so beautifully said. And, uh, and, and we do this without knowing. This is not something that our heads can do. That's why I love the title, Without Knowing, because this is not something we can do with our heads, although we very commonly try. You know, we make our list of, of, the, of the person we want in our life, and they have to have X amount of income and this kind of job, and, uh, you know, they have to uh, have come from this kind of family and, and X and X and Y and Z. And, you know, it's all externality. I encourage people to make a list of what they want, but it's it shouldn't be based strictly in externalities. It should be more about what kind of interaction you want from this person. This is a person who knows how to make eye contact. This is a person who knows how to say, I'm sorry. This is a person who knows how to own his or her own stuff. This is a person who knows how to talk about things that are difficult to talk about. You know, those kind of things that really build a relationship. So we have to, of course have relationship skills built in around the love uh, in order for the love relationship to work. But, it, but those things are supports. They aren't the real issue. The real issue is how can we be true to ourselves while loving someone else? Because that means I love myself and you, not just you and forget about me. I heard about a situation the other day where someone died because they had been working so hard uh, to please someone else, they died literally of exhaustion, and and uh, you know that we can definitely do that, and 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 working very very diff- hard to uh, who knows what was in somebody else's heart, but um, when we try to do that to please other people, it isn't necessarily genuine. It isn't necessarily coming from uh, 
that deepest place within us, it's probably coming from shoulds. And the should says, maybe something like, if I sacrifice myself, that means I'm a really good person. So we have a lot of substitutes that we've put in the place of love. And that's why in the end of chapter 13 of the 1 Corinthians, um, it says the greatest of these is love. Because faith, faith is something we can be seduced into. We can, we can, be, we can believe even what isn't true. Hope, we can put hope on the wrong thing. But love, real love, loves anyway. And that's what Mark Nepo came to at the end of this poem even though his heart was broken by this woman who fell in love with someone else, and even though it took him 10 years to get past it, he now can look back and say thank you because she opened his heart chakra. Now, that's my translation. He might, he might have a different spin on that, but that's what I hear. And, and I think that's really true, that we can really look back on the people we have really loved and thank them for, for opening us in a way that we could not have been opened without having fallen in love with that person. And so even, you know, really difficult relationships, even where we've been perhaps abused by someone, if we can get far enough away from that person to find ourselves, we may look back eventually and thank them in our heads, not, not literally, but thank them in our own heads and hearts for helping us wake up. So there's all kinds of encounters that really are about love at the bottom line. And love that's real love does have its own unconditional component to it. You know, Oprah says love looks like love. I think it was Maya Angelou that said that first, but Oprah says it a lot. Love looks like love. And, and um, it does. It looks like love. It walks like love. It talks like love. It, uh, it smells like love. It, <laughs> you know, it looks like what it is. But if someone says to you, I love you, and they treat you badly, that doesn't look like love. So it may not be love. It may be possessiveness or jealousy or power issues or control issues or all kinds of other identity issues that don't have anything to do with whether or not they really love you. And they've gotten that really confused with love. And we can do that. Um, We can definitely do that. We can confuse all kinds of things with love. And that's why so many of us get in trouble um, making bad deals with people, either in relationships or in contracts or in business deals of other kinds, um, so that we, uh, so that we're able to just kind of get ourselves stuck in the mess. All right, so we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back in just a few minutes, and uh, with with the final chapter here of what it is to love without a should. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the Seventh Wave Network. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers, but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality. Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, so what is it really like to love without a should? Well, first let's define what love is. Now, this is something that we've been trying to do for centuries, so my definition doesn't have to be the only one. There are many, many out there. What I believe love is, first, it is the essence of who we are. We are made at a molecular level. We are made of love. And we can totally trust that. So that's the first thing that love is. Love is experienced as a deep, profound connection with other people, with ourselves, with life itself and all the objects and, uh, and people of life. Um, we can fall in love with clouds, with sky, with ocean, with grass, with trees, with flowers, with butterflies and birds. We can fall in love with, with other people. We can fall in love with the essence of life itself, uh, just the whole process of living we can fall in love with, with uh, philo- philosophies. We can fall in love with, with artworks, with great works of music. I know so many times of late I go to work uh, listening to uh, uh, the themes from movies and uh, this amazing music it's, it fills my car up and I feel like I'm driving slow motion into the leaves of a tree or uh, into the sky that's in front of me or into the mountain that's ahead of me. And, and uh, it's just a beautiful experience. So those, those things are, are, are opening. They're blossoming within us. So when we experience love, we experience it as an opening within us that allows us to, to connect deeply and profoundly with another human being, with ourselves, with life, with the objects of life, with the animals and, and natural elements of life. So uh, we tend to think in terms of loving other people only. 
that's when we think of the word love, especially when we put a should in front of it, we think in terms of uh, we should love others. We should just love others and others meaning somebody else besides myself. And if I think about myself too much, well, then I'm being selfish and that's wrong. But I would say you can't love yourself without thinking about yourself. And loving yourself is just as important, as a matter of fact, more important than anything else. Not speaking from a narcissistic point of view, but speaking from the point of view of of that deep kind of abiding self-nurturance and self-care that must be there if we're going to live an effective and healthy life. Um, so, and from there, that opening, loving yourself is the first opening. And from there, we really learn to love other people and love other things and love the, the essence of life and love the sky and the trees and the birds, etc., etc. So, this, this thing of love is a very amazing, profound experience. And I've literally seen people change overnight when they really get what love really is. Um, you, you see a harsh old man who's been hard on everyone and abusive to his children and, and can't even understand why you know, his children want to do something different than what he had organized for them. Or, and suddenly something happens to somebody in the family and his heart chakra opens and he begins to see the error of his own ways and how profoundly... He has hurt others and and how profoundly he really wants to just connect with them. And he thought he was connecting with them through this method that if he could just pound it into them, they would connect with him at this deep level that he was so hungry for. And, And then he wakes up to realize that, no, he'd rather that they connect with him because they choose to, not because they have to. That's an awakening. And love created that awakening. Uh, we see people who are who are sick uh, with some terrible disease, and finally begin to love even the disease because they've they've just they've sort of exhausted everything else, and they're you know uh, thinking that death is somewhere within the next three or four months, and they begin to just fall in love with this whole process and be able to say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is this is it. I might as well just love this. And it's not something that happens in the mind. It's not something you can think of or put yourself in the place of. It seems completely irrational to most of us to love the disease that's killing us, really. But yet these people can do that. They, their heart chakra just opens and they begin to say, you know, this, this is a part of my life and I'm going to cherish it. And they begin to really cherish it. And sometimes because they've done that, the disease goes away. Maybe not always, but sometimes I've seen that happen. So when, when, when we allow ourselves to just be open to the possibility that there's a deeper way of loving than what we've loved from should, then we, we begin that process of sort of sliding down deeper into ourselves and, and asking ourselves really good questions like, for example, when my husband or wife irritates the caca out of me by, by doing something that bothers me, um, folding the clothes the wrong way or putting the dishes in the dishwasher the wrong way or, you know, not sweeping the floor or whatever, 
uh, leaving cabinet doors open, uh, then what do we do with that? You know, we walk around in that irritated place for how many years? Or maybe we just begin to love even that about the person. Maybe we just begin to recognize that even though they do that stuff that irritates us, we love them. And maybe we can even just start being grateful for the fact that they do these things that irritate the caca out of us. (laughs) You know, maybe we can say thank you for doing the dishwasher the wrong way in our own heads, even if we don't say it to the other person. But the heart says it. The heart says, oh, I'm so grateful that you did that because that's such a rich part of my experience of living. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it can happen. And it can happen to you because you can open up. You can begin to just say, okay, maybe there's something deeper here about everything, about everything in your life. Okay, maybe there's something deeper here. I'm willing to see it. And the psyche goes, what? Did, uh, say that again. What Did you just say you're willing to see the deeper stuff? Okay, then. Let's go. The psyche does have a will and an energy of its own. And it will begin to carry you there. It's not going to race you to it in a way that's uh, overwhelming. Although we can be overwhelmed by life. Life itself does that. The psyche's not doing that. But life itself can do that because we've gotten ourselves into a pickle. We've gotten ourselves into a, you know, mopped ourselves into a corner or put ourselves in a difficult situation that has become overwhelming. And that overwhelm itself is trying to tell us that there's a big problem here and we need to address it and do something different than what we're doing. So many of us live in a, in a, in a posture of waiting for life to correct itself. You know, well, all we need to do is just wait. Just time cures all things, right? And we haven't you heard that. Time does not cure anything. There's no such thing as time. That's A. Working on it cures it. Um, Being open to deeper things within it cures it. Um, Love cures it. These are the things that that create the possibility of of love inside of us. But, But waiting passively for it to just kind of happen one day at somebody else's hands. You know, maybe someday somebody's going to make me happy. Maybe someday my husband or my wife is going to start doing what I want them to do and I'm just going to keep sitting here maybe nagging them until they get it. And then one day we wake up and go, you know what? That's really not what it's all about. It's really not all about nagging them into doing what I want them to do. It's all about the fact that I'm staying here in this relationship because I don't want to lose this person. This person is hugely important to me and let me just start valuing that just the way it is in all of its craziness let me just go ahead and and just love it and something in us begins to to blossom into that so what we're looking for here when we talk about love is nothing that's related to any should any law any have to any loyalty none of that stuff that we use to shame ourselves into feeling like we should be kind to somebody or give somebody the benefit of the doubt who hasn't earned it you know we that, that thing just, again, it will get us into a mess every time. Uh, but, but learning to open up to what's really going on inside of us finally brings us to that really deep place of love where we are profoundly connected to all of life uh, in this really joyful and peaceful way that life begins to shimmer and shine 
with its essence. It begins to hold its own meaning. And we begin to go, oh, I see, I see, I see. And we feel like we're no longer blind. And we, and we, we begin to, to be able to realize, uh, I, I saw one author, and I, I wish I could remember who it was, but used the term, it, it might have been Michael Brown, used the term real eyes, uh, R-E-A-L-E-Y-E-S, for the term realize, that we wake up to our real eyes and we begin to really see that um, that this this thing of life is so precious and so poignant and so powerful and so real. It's the realest thing there is, and that is uh, we almost can't contain the profundity of that. It's so big. It's so huge, and that's what opening up the heart chakra does for us. It really does. Uh, take us to this place of real acceptance of life on life's terms instead of trying to push life to be what we think it ought to be by pushing ourselves to be what we think we ought to be. We hear people say all the time that I'm going to change myself into the person I ought to be. Well, (laughs) who, who the heck is that? I don't know. But we can learn to love the person we are. And that's what we're talking about today. So we're going to be back next week again with some more from Authentic Living. So you're going to be here for that. And this show has been fun for me. I hope it has for you. I thank Mark Nepo for the, uh, the book he wrote, Reduced to Joy, from which I took the poem entitled Without Knowing. So be here again next week. We'll get another dose of wisdom and love. And uh, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.